I'm Michelle. I'm Chris. And I'm SP from the Starling Tribune. A podcast member of the Gonna Geek Network. Just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual host. Check out all the other podcasts at gunnageek.com. And get ready because geekiness begins in... Three, two, one... Hello, all you lovely people in internet land, and welcome to episode 73 of Game Life Balance Australia. I'm your host, Robert Bailey, and I'm joined, as always, by one of those dancing penguins from Happy Feet, Andrew A.C. Yoshimura. They wouldn't do the can-can. I ordered them to do the can-can, and the director told me to get off set, so I took a big dump in his truck. (laughs) He barfed a bunch of fish guts onto his... uh... It turns out he likes that. I don't know who the director of that was, but he liked it. I think he was an Australian. Oh, yeah. Or it was made in Australia. Uh, the Australians are known for their kinks, aren't they? Well, vomiting kinks, yes. <laughs> I know, I'm really into that. In a big way. Fish. Fish vomiting. Penguins. Yeah, fairy penguins. Dancing yeah. penguins. Dancing parent. penguins doing the can-can. Apparently a step too far for that director. Yeah, look, you know. A bit disappointing. <laughs> your your um, avant-garde views on Penguin Dancing were not well received. You know, I don't think I've ever actually seen that movie. I, if we go back and they are doing the can-can, that's what I'm going to feel really what do you What do you imagine that oh, film is? Like, um, just give me a, like a... A whole bunch yeah. of stripper penguins uh-huh. pole dancing. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Except there's also like a climate change message in there somewhere a bit. Um, uh, okay, like if... The or poles it, are made out of ice? Or is it an overfishing message? I can't remember which. Bit of both, perhaps. Either way, yes, the pole dancing was prevalent. You know, I may have seen It's very this. sexy. <laughs> I found it very erotic. <laughs> so you're a good old Aussie. That's right. He likes his birds. <laughs> you darn tootin'. <laughs> no one, anyone questioning my sexuality. KFC is actually a stripper joint here in Australia. <laughs> hey, it is now. After I am finished with it. By which I mean that I took my clothes off. With it. <laughs> what I did was I put a bucket of chicken on my head. Yep. And I took my chi- I took off my clothes and I gyrated in I, front of a family of I, I four. Think, I think I've seen this movie on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> I th- is, is that you spanking yourself with uh, with a four piece set saying, "How do you like that, Colonel?" Look, it's satire, AC. So if you too, if you can't appreciate my art. <laughs> If you don't understand what it's, you know, what I'm trying to say. Hey, you know, I'm just as Aussie as you are. Bing, cobber, matey boy, VB trucking along. True blue bumper sticker ute muster. Yep. Yoshimura's, we've got a uh, very proud Australian heritage. I don't often muster my utes, but when I do, I run over several cats. Australia. (laughs) Okay. Okay. My dad would totally do that. I'm not saying my dad has done that. But he might have. I think and you should probably arrest him. The concept of a ute muster is funny because you just drive your ute. You don't need to muster anything. You just drive your ute directly to where you need to be. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> a ute is a pickup, by the way. Yes. Anyway, we're getting off topic, AC. Well, we, we were never on topic to begin with. Well, which, I- is, which is a pity because our topic today is actually very close to my heart. Mm-hmm. It is Pretty Fighter X. <laughs> the game we were playing just before the podcast. No, Scantily clad women. No, I don't want to review that. All fighting for our amusement. 
I thought we were going to do Buble Symphony. Buble Symphony. Well, you talked me into it. Oh, we were going to do Bubble Symphony, Symphony but Buble Symphony sounds Buble much Buble Christmas Symphony. Okay, I'm out again. No, <laughs> we've, we've no more Christmas episodes. Don't worry, everyone. It's okay. It's all right. We will have a Christmas special. <sighs> I have I have a uh, signed uh, contract here from my good friend AC. Asshole. Promising. Yeah. Yes. Promising one Christmas episode per year. Look, I mean, he's drunk, okay? I get drunk and I'm easy to sign contracts with. That's Okay. Yeah, I took advantage of you, you contractually. Uh, you took advantage of me contractually. That just sounds like a bad night out or it's, possibly a bad night in. It's a bad night out with a lawyer or something. Yeah, it <laughs> anyway. is. Um, <clears throat> we've actually run out of Christmas games to play. I'm sure, like, you know, I've got 500 or 1,000 plus video games or something. I'm sure I can find fucking something mm-hmm. there yeah which we can play but we'll have a look after the show but it looks like this might be the end of regular programming for the year possibly yes possibly. i think that's right because you're heading off to japan quite soon in the next couple of weeks mm. yes uh by the time this comes out less than two weeks and i'm leaving on a friday which is when we usually record yes yeah, so that gives us even less a lot yeah. less time so we might get a Christmas episode in before I leave I want to say mm-hmm. we'll have the chance to do like one episode before we go yeah. it'll probably be the Christmas one while I'm overseas we are thinking we might try and uh, link up and do a an episode yeah it'll be fun that'd be a stream of nonsense I suppose yeah we'll see how we go technology is always a bit iffy yeah. but but um, you know those are usually more of some of our more interesting episodes yeah totally and I think it's just fun for people to have us like make the effort have you in Japan it's novel it is it um, is pretty novel. Yeah. yeah. I'll probably be coming. It's so cold here. Help me. Help me get a helicopter in. We can't get a helicopter in. It's snowing too much. Oh god, I'm gonna die. <laughs> I'm actually getting better at driving in snow though, so that's nice. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, my, my plan is starting to take shape, but we'll talk about that a bit later on because now we are talking about Pretty Fighter X. Yay! Yeah, wait, no, 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 no not Pretty We'll talk about that later perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. Oh, perhaps. If I deem it. If, if you deem it worthy, which it is not. Uh, we are I- actually talking about a Bubble Bobble game today. Yeah. Bubble Symphony, which is kind of the arcade version of Bubble Bobble 2. Kind of, yeah. But it, Bubble Bobble 2 is also um, Rainbow Islands as well. It's yeah, a, it it's gets a weird, confusing. It is very weird. It's a, it's a weird <laughs> lineage there. Yeah. But we'll call this one... Just Bubble Symphony for the purposes of this podcast, mm-hmm. because we did try and play it on my main machine. Yes, and the emulation was shit. Yes, I don't know what the shit deal was, else. but we couldn't play it on the main. But we did um, have a good go of it on your Saturn. Yeah, the Saturn is a very, very good conversion. I'd say it's pretty close to one to one if you're playing on an RGB monitor, which we were at one stage, but not for the whole time. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get into, but what kind of game is Bubble Symphony Rob? Well, it's basically, it's very much a updated, kind of like dolled up version of Bubble Bobble, really. But with with some extra stuff in there, some sort of Taito referential stuff. It's kind of like a, a love song to Taito games at the same time as being this kind of... Uh, yeah, like an like an update or like a reboot of, of Bubble Bobble. It's it's it plays pretty much the exact same as original Ass Bubble Bobble. And for those who haven't played it, it's a platformer. 
you are these little dragons. Yep. Um, it's you a, blow it's a single, what we call a single screen platformer. Yeah. And there's little, like each level is sort of, you know, got this little different design. Yeah. You, you so jump there's around. there's no scrolling. It's just you jump around, yeah. you trap enemies <clears> in your bubbles, you pop the bubbles, enemies gone. Yeah. And the, there's some interesting kind of like, I don't want to call it sort of physics really about how the bubbles float and bounce. And you can bounce on your own bubbles to yeah. reach higher platforms. And it gets a bit interesting with the... <clears throat> The bubble jumping mechanics, AC. It does. It's a fun game. It was fun back in the eighties. <coughs> Sorry, pardon me. Rob is a bit sick. I should have used the cough button then. That's all right. I should have warned you. Um, so basically, Bubble uh, Symphony is the nineties version of Bubble Bubble. Yeah, it's fair to say it was an arcade game first. Uh, it came to the uh, Saturn. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if it came to other platforms actually, but I know the Saturn version is very well regarded. It's got an excellent soundtrack, even though it is just the same song kind of looping over and over again. It's a very jaunty, sort of happy, symphonic yeah. song. It's fitting for a game called mm. Bubble Symphony. And the the whole game itself is basically a love letter to Taito. It, yeah. From Taito. Yes. So it's basically, dear Taito, I love you so much. Love Taito. <laughs> P.S. Here's some Taito characters you might remember from other Taito games. P.P.S. Taito. That's right. Because hey, Taito has produced a lot of very famous games. Um, it's funny, they're not as well known as like Sega or Nintendo in people's like memories, you know, but when you list out some of the games they've released, it's like, well, those are some of your favorite games of all time. Like, Definitely. Have you heard of Space Invaders? Yes. Uh, that's a Taito joint. It is indeed. And I think Taito might actually be my favorite arcade, maybe even my one of my favorite like third party developers for consoles as yeah, well. I, they've just made so many good games and I just love the variety, the cute characters. Mm. And, you know, they never really got into the fighting game genre as much as, as others did, certainly. No. But um, I think platforming was kind of their strong suit. And, they and shooters that, as that well. That shooter, Darius. Yeah. Or Darius. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. It's, it's Darius. I always pronounced it Darius mm. because um, it looks like it's spelt Darius. Well, it certainly does. But if you've actually seen the arcade version of Darius... Mm. Um, it is actually a double screen. Like, it's like a sit-down cabinet with two CRT screens right next to each other wow. in a horizontal position. Huh. So it's like this big, long, wide screen so you can see pretty much everything that's coming. And you need a screen that big because the enemies in in Darius are big mm. and shaped like fish. Yeah, that's right. It's a weird <laughs> thing. And, and, and this game, Bubble Symphony, has levels that are sort of homages to different Taito games yep. so there's a level that is basically themed after Darius yep. with like flames in the background which is very similar to one of the I think one of the starting levels in a Darius game there's yep. a Space Invaders level oh yeah there's a Space Invaders boss in fact yeah and there's uh, yeah a lot of like little characters from from your favourite and of course game all of the all of the original Bubble Bubble people are back in there in full force uh-huh. it's a um, look it's a it's just a fun game and this is one of those games that did the 90s thing of multiple paths yeah. multiple endings alright so when I say it's the 90s version of Bubble Bubble that doesn't just mean it's better graphics it means that there is a hell of a lot of gameplay we have played this game through five times I want to say yeah and we've got a different ending pretty much every time. That's right. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of different endings, and it's it's pretty cool. That way, there's a lot of replay replay value there. Yeah. At the end of each world, you get a choice between two doors, mm-hmm. and the very first world that you play, you get a choice between three doors. That's right. And each door like leads you to a different 
world. So, you know, to see every world in the game, you'd have to replay it like a few times. Yeah. You can't just see everything the first time you play it. We thought we'd replayed it enough times to see all the worlds. But when we did it today, we found a whole new world which we hadn't explored before, which yeah, is fun, right. like the, the, the Japan-esque world, I think it was called. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, it's it's very cute, very, like, light-hearted. Like, the Japan-esque world is, like, a bit of a... Like a cartoonish bit, look yeah, at Japan, you know? Yeah, it's, it's very trippy. With um, uh, lots of yokai. There's, like, what is there? TV Land or something, AC? Yeah, there's, there's com- TV Land, Central com- Park. Computer Land. Computer Land. There's Desert Land. Yeah. You know, it's just a whole bunch of, you know, basically take a whole bunch of, like, Super Mario worlds, I suppose, and spin them out. Yeah. But it was, it's a lot of fun. I, um,. Have tried to get the good ending, as mm. have you, but we've kind of failed. So to get the good ending, mm. you need to get four keys. But to get four keys, you need to trigger the musical notes in some of the levels. Yeah, that's and right. You to get in each world, you need to get four musical notes, and then the key appears, and then you have to get the key. I think it's three musical notes, but yes, yes, yes either Some, way, something along those lines. Yeah. Maybe three musical notes, and then you trigger it with the fourth. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a pain. <laughs> it is. Um, so when you actually get all four of those, and then you get to the end of the lot of worlds, like you know, five worlds or whatever it is. Mm-hmm four worlds logically it would be i suppose Mm. uh and then it would usually trigger the last world where you're a human you become human and you have to fight like some more levels as a human as with as the boss we've never made that no because some of the some of the musical notes are actually quite tricky to trigger yeah you have to walk on little parts of the level for them to pop up Mm. um so you have to kind of explore every level and Quite thoroughly to see them all. No yeah. real good guide out there for this as well. He's not in English. No, that's, if you're a, if you're a game fact writer and you're looking for some, you know, an untapped market, <laughs> um, there's only one game fact on on gamefacts.com for this game, and it's not very good. So <laughs> um, go out there and, and write us a game fact, please. Thank you very much. Yeah, but you know, I that adds to the replayability of it because you can finish the 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 game and it looks like you've done a good job. Like the very first time we finished it, it was. Um, the two dragons being pulled back by their girlfriends chasing after two, like, cute witches. That's and we right. thought, ha ha, that's very funny, that's very cute. Mm. Um, but it well, obviously wasn't the best ending, but it was like a middling good ending, I suppose. Yeah, there are these, like, there's like five bad endings, and then there's like four middle endings, yeah. and then there's one, like, good ending. Yeah, like the it. main good ending so. that you need to, to play the whole game through and you know we'll freely admit that we haven't finished this game despite the fact we've played through it like five or six times now yeah I mean we only figured out the whole like getting notes to get the key thing recently so um, we will go back and probably you know sink some more time into this at some point in the future it's one of the, but Bubble Bubble is one of AC and, and my like favourite games yeah it's, it's a two player game we can both play we both have fun you don't have to concentrate too hard you can have a you know a bit of a chat and a bit of a drink while you're playing it and mm. And May was being very cute because <laughs> she kept kind of jumping in front of the TV today when we were trying to play and we had to pause it and and spend some time with her. But it's the kind of game where you can like jump in and out. Like it's not that, you know. It's, it's not, not particularly taxing. It's not very taxing mentally or anything. It's just a mm. fun like arcade thing. Um, but yeah. So what would you, um, how would you compare this to the original game? It's would pretty, you? It's pretty similar, isn't it? It is pretty, it is very similar. Which would you prefer? That would be an interesting question uh, here. That's a good question. You know, as much as I like Bubble Symphony, I actually think I do prefer the original game a little bit more. And I'm, I'm not quite sure why, but I think it's something to do with the level structure and the 
I mean, as, as much as the branching paths are fun and different, hmm. I feel like you get less game out of it in a way, like, bubble, like a proper go of original bubble bubble between, you know, and we usually play it on the, on the master system version. Yeah. Um, we'll take up like a good hour of your, of your day. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a long investment in time and it feels really like torturous, but also fun. Towards and the end, it just certainly gets much tougher. Bubble Symphony is like probably takes you about half as long to play through. <laughs> um, especially if you don't unlock the last you know, boss or whatever. Yeah. The last world. Um, so it just feels like a little bit easier and a little bit less of like a slog, but in, and in some ways that's good, but I kind of miss the slog, like the, the slug fest that, and that sort of battle of attrition almost that is, is playing original bubble bubble where you just like, it's just you versus it's just your patience versus the computer. In a lot of ways, like I got to um, agree. Like I do love bubble symphony and I kind yeah. of want to, I want to get the good ending. You know, I think that's a point where you and I are probably just going to idle through this game over the next few months or years. Yeah. And we're going to get to a pattern where we're going to know what to do, when to do it, get all the keys, do the last weld and potentially finish that game at one point. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm looking forward to that, but there is something about original Bubble Bubble, whether it's nostalgia fueled, and I'm sure it, some it of might it is. Be, yeah. Um, but there is there is a difficulty spike and a leveling and a way that the enemies behave that even though you know their patterns, it can still be a bit tricky. Mm. Um, that just makes it feel more of a, a complete holistic game, I suppose, even without the branching paths. Yeah. So, what would how would you recommend this game? I definitely would. I mean, it's 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 a very good game. Hmm. Um, and I think even if you don't have that that homa, like that sort of nostalgia for the original Bubble Bubble, if this is the first Bubble Bubble game you play, you'd probably have a good time with it. I think. Hmm. Um, it plays pretty much the same as the original game. The controls are like imperceptibly different they're a little bit different but you not you don't really notice it too much and um the enemy variety is really good probably better than the original game the music's great it's very colorful and fun so i have like by the numbers i can't knock it yeah um i wonder sometimes whether someone who doesn't have the reverence for the original game would like it as much um because it does seem to be to be very much angled at hey kids do you remember bubble bobble here it is again like it's it's not really aimed at people who've never played it before, but I still think they would have fun. Hmm. Uh, so I am going to recommend, I think it's a good game. Um, but yeah, maybe not my number one bubble bubble game of all time. Fair enough. What about UAC? Yeah, I'd recommend this game. Uh, I'm a big bubble bubble fan and bubble bubble has a weird lineage mm. because it, it was bubble bubble and then it was rainbow islands and then paracel stars and then New Zealand. So where's New Zealand story sitting? <laughs> that, that's that's like a, an equal, not a sequel or a prequel. That's mm. like it's not might be in the same world, but not to do with the it's same like characters. A, it's like from the makers of. Yeah, of yeah, I mean, you know, it's a Taito game mm. featuring you know a similar kind of style of gameplay. Yeah, but um, this is kind of like Bubble Bubble Two of Bubble Bubble, whereas Rainbow Island was called the story of Bubble Bubble Two Rainbow Island. Yeah. So it's it's kind of weird, but I this is in my mind the true sequel to Bubble Bubble. Anything that plays like the original Bubble Bubble, mm. I will like and love to pieces, which I do with this game. Mm. I think if 
it's a pick up and play. So, you know, you get the mechanics of the game very easily because yeah. that it is basically identical to the first it's like game. It's a two button game. It's very simple. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. You can actually choose between four dragons in this game. There's Bub and Bob and his go- and and their two girlfriends. And they have slightly different stats. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. There's like yeah. speed and and power and like bubble blowing ability and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it all seems pretty equal. I'm always Bub, you're always Bob. Yes. That's just that's just the way it goes. This is the, canon. That, the way it's always been. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd recommend this game. Uh, it was an arcade game. Mm-hmm. There is uh, an NES Bubble Bubble 2. It is a very different game. You can only play one player from yeah, memory. it's weird. And it's not very good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very it's very slow. They took, like, the, the sprite. And the sprite, uh, rather than kind of slowly jumps and walks, like in the original Bubble Bubble, in Bubble Symphony, he does kind of waddle. You see his legs move, but yeah. it's quick. Whereas in the NES version... Uh, he waddles very slowly. It's a much slower game, and it's not not that good. As no. you know, you and I have actually played that before. It's yes. a very rare game, so if you see it, don't pick it up. It's, don't bother. I was interested in it and fascinated yeah. by it, but that wasn't a very good game. So we're not, we're not talking about that though. So don't don't run out and get that one. No, you get uh, get Bubble Symphony, but it is kind of rare now. So if you have a good Mame emulator, which I don't apparently, <laughs> emulate the shit out of it. <laughs> Rob, please tell me Peppers is still alive. Peppers, Peppers is, is okay, right? right? She's you okay, You need to put AC. Peppers down? No. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry. She's okay, AC. She's is fine. She, is she still your main horse? She's my <laughs> maining Peppers still. You're still maiming Peppers? Yep. Are you sure that Peppers is a female? I, I yes. You check because, underneath? Because, because, well, <laughs> I don't know. Look, Arthur calls her girl uh-huh. and stuff like that. But Good enough for look, you. He could be mistaken. <laughs> Maybe he just doesn't know. Um, He's not the brightest dog in the prairie. Like he'll, yeah, it's cute actually. Like they'll, they'll t- he'll talk to the horse, and obviously if it's a male or female horse, he'll say different things. Okay, I think oh, it's kind of yeah, neat. that works. Um, yeah, the Peppers is fine. AC, that's um, good. With her beautiful long flowing mane and, oh, and lovely. Long I can tail. imagine. I think when I finally see Peppers, I'll be going, "Oh, that's kind of disappointing," because yeah. in my mind, it's like this this beautiful white horse with like a flowing tail, uh-huh. with his dirty cowboy on top, going, "Ah, who cares about the cowboy? I just want to see this horse." It's basically like he's she's kind of a yellowy brown color with white. That's majestic. With that's a white ha- tail and white mane. Yeah, see, that's majestic. Yeah, yeah, she's very beautiful. Do you haven't needed to revive her again? I haven't. <laughs> haven't accidentally have, shot her. We've had a few. We've had a few adventures um, since then. It's yeah, that game. I look, I'm really enjoying it. I'm in yep. chapter three now, I believe. Uh, so we've moved camp. We're in a different area. Um, I think the game is like I'm starting to see. I think the more I play it. I'm starting to sort of notice the gears turning. Do you know what I'm saying? How when you when you first play up a game, you're like, it's all so exciting and new, and, and it's amazing. All the systems are like, yeah. oh my god, wow! It just I keeps didn't know surprising you could do this, you. and yeah. like I didn't know, but I'm guessing you're starting to see a lot of repeated lines and a bit of mm. like the way things work underneath the hood. Yeah, the voice acting is still held up. Like I haven't heard too much repeated lines yet, which okay. has been great. That's good. But yeah, what's going on under the hood is becoming apparent. Mm. Um, and that's fine. And that happens with every game, hmm. you know, but it always it generally that, that noticing of how the game actually works does correlate with like a little bit of a dip in interest in the game for me. So I don't know why that is. It just is, but I have still been playing it. Um, not as much as I would have liked this week. I've been sick this week. I had a few days off, but I haven't actually been playing Red Dead. Um, just a little too crook to really like enjoy yeah, that. So it's mainly TV and, and podcasts and lying in bed groaning has been my, my, my week for the most part. Not the good kind of groaning though. No, no, the sad kind. Um, 
yeah, but I have been playing a little bit more of that game. I, I will say it's the plot of that game is starting to grind on me, grate yeah. on me a little bit. Like, which chapter are you up to? Like I said, chapter three. Okay. I'm not sure how much. No, I imagine. I'm expecting. I'm actually still pretty early in the game. I don't know. I might be. I might be halfway through. Might be more than halfway through. I don't. I don't know. But, um, the plot is. Yeah, it's starting to wear thin. I think. Well, I said I, I, a couple episodes ago. I said that it felt like you're in a cult. Yeah, <laughs> rather I remember than, that. Rather than a criminal gang, yeah. and that feeling has sort of kind of come back in a big way. Like, you'll do a number of missions that seem very criminal. Every single, I just, I guess, I just don't like Dutch. I think I'm just at the point now. I just think that the character, Dutch, the way they wrote him, the idea they had for that character, it's and he's the head of the gang. Yeah, it, it's 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 not convincing. Um, and whenever I see that character, it just breaks. It breaks the uh, what's the word? Suspension of disbelief. Yeah, because he just seems like this overwritten flamboyant character like they, I, the, their idea I assume was we don't just want to have them be criminals we want to have something more interesting going on and then someone came up with the idea of well what if Dutch is this like charismatic kind of like like almost like a, like a revolutionary yeah. yeah who's like kind of got all these ideals and he's trying to instill them in, in the others and stuff like that so that they're not just a gang they're they're like they're this like sort of fighting like a, like a movement or something yeah. some kind of like political movement or something almost and 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 they play up in a lot of scenes this like tension between like oh are we criminals or are we like revolutionaries or something essentially yeah. um that always seems really unconvincing like that kind of like tension it just doesn't really i don't really buy it it just comes across like they were they're trying to make a gang more interesting than a gang in fact is like there's not there's something unsympathetic about people running around robbing people but when yeah, you but when, but when you have like a flamboyant leader who's like you know very flowery with his language and like you know is quite eccentric and everything it makes it more interesting I suppose but I just don't believe that anyone like that ever existed in 1899 and I just find it really hard to believe that people like Arthur Morgan would follow someone like that it's, when I see them interacting, I just think if Arthur Morgan was a real person, he would just like laugh at Dutch or like punch him in the face or just. I can't imagine a real hardened criminal following this guy. He seems like somebody got out of uni with a head full of ideas, grew a mustache, and went, <laughs> went west. You know, like. Went west. Do you know what I mean? Like a, I do know what you mean. Look, <clears throat> it's kind of funny because I remember the um, the story and and in particular the ending of the first Red Dead Redemption game was such a a powerful force. Mm. And I remember I was around for the first Red Dead Redemption when people were playing it and I wasn't playing it. And mm. I, I remember the zeitgeist of going, it's a slow game, but boy, does it get good. Like the plot. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and this, when I'm hearing people like, and you know, the, the more you discover about that character in the first game, the more you go, oh my God, oh, that's right. Oh, I get it now. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this is some, seems to be kind of the opposite. Like I've been hearing a lot of people saying, wow, there's so many systems, there's so many great things, there's so many things to do. Uh, mm. But as you kind of get deeper on the game, it's obviously snow, you know, you're obviously being plowed toward one particular yeah. end goal and it doesn't seem to have the same momentum I think that the first game does. There's something to what you just said. I think it's really true that that the mm. way that you, the unfolding story of of um, John Marston in the first game is is much more interesting. I think also there's something about the story of like a 
this sort of pisses me off about the second game too is that it kind of detracts from the coolness of the plot of the first game because in the first game it's like so rad because you feel like you're this like murderous bastard with a really horrible past Mm. like a real killer and you're tracking down your like former friends who are also like really horrible people apparently and and it it has this really gritty feel to it the first game knowing now that you're this band of like ragamuffins or like vagabonds sort of following around this like almost like a gypsy caravan following this this like eccentric leader it it makes the first game feel less rad as well because you're making it makes John Marsden seem like less of a badass and more like a guy who followed someone who's very charismatic the wrong guy yeah right that's interesting like that's um and I think that like the game sounds special and wonderful and all that kind of stuff but if a game they kind of railroaded themselves pun intended Mm, mm. (laughs) um by making a prequel but the way that the original game was at the end of the old west Mm. the only thing you really could make was a prequel prequel because it was the end of the old west it's just kind of a shame that they couldn't go back like to 1895 uh, sorry 1885 and kind of do a different story and maybe touch on some of the characters and do something different but I I suppose yeah yeah I kind of wish they had done a different story I suppose it's not quite the same way as uh, Grand Theft Auto yeah you know they've got to link these beloved characters back and that's what they did and I'm sure it's a great game and and I know a lot of people are having fun with it and I'm sure you're going to finish it these are fairly minor ish I mean the plot the plot and story of games is never why I'm drawn to games. Like yeah. they generally are always pretty bad. Yeah. I guess I'm just a bit disappointed that this isn't better than it turned out to be. I have another couple of gripes about the the plot just quickly. There's <laughs> that um, um, Arthur Morgan's a really weird character because on the one hand he's like the the muscle and the thug of the of the of the uh, the gang. Yeah. But you have this journal that you pull out and and you can it's totally optional. But, and it sort of tells you what's been happening in the game and it gives you a sense of what your current mission is but he also draws things in the journal and like sketches things and writes little like like writes his thoughts down in the journal and you can read this and it just comes across really a- like atonal like he's this brutal thug but actually you know he just loves doing sketches he's got the soul of a poet exactly right? <laughs> just, he just he's actually got a soft sensitive side to you him you know if things had gone differently for Arthur Morgan he might have been a very famous artist <laughs> it just, it just it, again it's just tonally off mm. um, and the other sort of thing that's kind of more around the edges is that the um, just the gang itself feels a bit too multicultural and to, to be realistic like yeah. I get what they're going for to be inclusive and everything and like that's all the rage but like I don't want to sort of come out really hard, like hard and swinging against this, but it does feel a bit unrealistic to have like all- you are a hardcore conservative after all. Oh yeah, look, a lot of these cowboys. I mean, a lot of these these guys, these like bandits in the Wild West, were like you know ex Confederate soldiers and shit like yeah. that. Um, and there's that kind of that rebel spirit, if you like. It's it's really uncomfortable to talk about because they're on the definitely on the wrong freaking side of history. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of was a bit of the backdrop to all of this stuff and it's just a bit funny to see them all like happily getting along um I just don't this it's weird to say but there's not enough racism in this game <laughs> do, Ooh, do you know what Ooh, I mean Robbie. like this, this Ku Klux Klan member you, you can yeah. ride along in this KKK I'm not saying I want right look let me be clear here yeah I know I mean for historical context it feels can, false you can, you can beat up the KKK you can or you? you can just ride right past them and not interfere with them at all I shoot them which is funny because I think if you don't mess with them it doesn't do anything like there's sometimes where if you see a crime hmm. and you don't intervene it make, it gives you like a little notch towards the evil okay. side of the yeah. bar 
but there are times where like if you ignore something it doesn't seem to do that so it's mm, a, bit, okay. a bit hit and miss but the, on the other side there's also like feminists and things as well that I like suffragettes okay yeah and I've, like, I've seen like all this terrible like reporting like in the in, in the media of like gamers like you know doing a video or a stream of them like like shooting suffragettes and things like that oh god um, which is really gross so yeah that's so like they're I'm trying comfortable with that <laughs> what, I, what, I'm, what I'm getting at though is that they try like they add their suffragettes there's KKK yeah. they're trying to make it um realistic and, and in the in that historical period with all the shittiness of that period it's just funny to me that like your, your entire gang none of them ever really come out with anything racist or no one ever really like expresses like a really what's the word like a viewpoint that would be offensive to us in 2018 yeah, yeah. they all seem to be like carefully designed to not upset anyone and while I get where that's coming from it just doesn't ring true historically I feel yeah. like people back then were, would say things that would trigger people in 2018 um, I guess there's a fine line you've got to walk you don't yeah, I mean, like especially with, game, with a game that is going to be yeah. as popular as this one. You, I don't like, want to give it too much of a serve because it does have the KKK in it. Yeah. So, like, look, it's probably plenty racist. <laughs> um, it's just a weird little tonal thing where I just mm. feel like it doesn't ring true the way the gang all just gets along. The like, get-along gang. They're just, they're just like, hey, I don't care what the colour of your skin is, man. We're just out here, like, following Dutch. And it's like, is that really how people were in 1899? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, so what else have you been doing with your life? Um, You've been sick? I have been sick. Um, yeah, not a lot. That's about it, is it? That I really want to talk <laughs> about. Um, yeah, so I probably won't talk about Red Dead again next week, but in summary, I think that's a really great game that mm-hmm. plot-wise and writing-wise has some issues, but otherwise is really great. Well, if you're going to make um, like a 50 to 100 hour game, you know, there's... There's going to be holes there. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, no game is perfect, right? No, and it's it's a it's a very good game, except Vice City, you know. <laughs> Lance Vance. <laughs> yeah, look, in some way, yeah, I don't know. You know, that's my sort of really nuanced hot takes on on Red Dead. What about you, AC? You've been you've been gaming it up recently? Or? Not a lot. Um, it's kind of been a bit funny. I've been quite busy uh, with life and work and all that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, I only just got over my sickness, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And I've just been spending time with my family, which is really nice. Uh, May loves going to parks, so we we take her to parks. She knows what the weekend is. She even has a weekend dance, right. which is her jumping up and down saying, weekend dance, weekend. <laughs> it's very, very cute. Very adorable. So... Uh, she's so excited about the weekends that she can barely sleep. So usually she has a sleep during the day at daycare. Right. And then it's like really difficult to get her to sleep mm. at, at at home. Like at, at like we try and make her bedtime at like eight o'clock. And then of course it's usually like nine or even nine thirty when she falls asleep or something like that, which mm. is mm. very frustrating for Maria, but you know, my idea of hey just lock her in the room and see what happens she's gonna fall asleep eventually is apparently not you know that pc in 2018 right that's how i was raised and i turned out fine <laughs> don't do that to your children people seriously no don't don't listen to anything we say no really don't <laughs> uh so you know and it's gonna be the same again this weekend i'm just gonna be spending time with the family mm. um that being said I have played some more Tetris Effect because Tetris Effect is a great game. <laughs> um, 
a friend of the show, the E-Man, uh, has, uh, did come over last weekend and I shoved him in VR. Okay. I always love shoving people in VR. You like, put on, gently put on this, like, expensive headset and, like, here's the button underneath it, like, shove someone in VR. <laughs> I just love that. Just love the way to say that. I step in your door and you just jam that headset yeah, on my head. Yeah, just like, like, so you just slam dunk it on my head. <laughs> just both hands. Nothing but net. <laughs> so, shakalaka is what you say when you do it. <laughs> And yeah, I'm still enjoying it. I, I still love playing Tetris Effect in VR. Mm. It's just the... And I still think that PSVR still has one of the best virtual reality game sets. Yeah. Like, it's got the best games on virtual reality and the most user-friendly games, but it's kind of got, like, the worst headset in terms of cables. Like, the fidelity is fine. Like, you... you you, you can still know you're looking at two screens sometimes, whatever. I don't mind that much. It, it's still quite realistic. But the, the problem is that the amount of cables that go everywhere mm. and the way you need to set that thing up, it's, you know, 10 minutes of prep to get everything, get someone in there, adjust them so they know what they're doing, start the game, let them know what they're doing. <laughs> and, you know, and then they start the game and everyone has a good time. Mm. And even for me, it's like five minutes to set it all up. And normally that doesn't bug me, but when you just want to go in and play a few games of Tetris, <laughs> yeah. and that's all you're doing, you're playing Tetris, but mm. you want, like, you know, you want all the, the stuff around the edges. Yes. Basically, you know, all all the flavor that comes with Tetris effect and the sound, you want that, but you've got to set it all up. <laughs> and and just to play a couple of games of Tetris is just drags and you can play it without this, the, the, the VR headset, of course, but mm-hmm. I do love the immersion. So I'm kind of caught in this weird thing where I really want to play it in VR, but I'm also a very, very lazy man sometimes. But you don't want to like just play it on TV because it feels like, like half arsed or something. So. Um, I'll still play it on TV. Uh, Maria especially will still play it on TV. She just seems to like almost prefer it on TV. I think it, that's. I think she likes it better in VR. It's just the the hassle of the thing. hassle of setting up VR, like yeah. PSVR. If in the next generation they come out with like a new PSVR that is like cable free or whatever, yeah, I would. There and it was backwards compatible. There is a big chance I would jump on that mm. like depending on the price of course but like mm. I just I just love I usually don't like the PS4 environment and I'm not a member of PS Plus or anything like that yeah. but the the PSVR games is where it's at for me yeah they've got a good selection there I it's think. cool to see that you are like you're sold on this technology in a way yeah you know, like yeah I am and you know <clears throat> I was there in, and I played it in the 90s and I thought it was special back then but obviously there were kinks to work out then and frankly there are kinks to work out now but the thing is now there are games worth playing mm. and it's worth getting the headset out and it's, a, it's worth all the hassle to put it on and play the game yeah, yeah. and if they could figure out the headset issue with that fidelity I reckon it could be even more popular and it's it's still pretty popular like mm. you know PlayStation are more or less supporting VR like they're supporting it better than the Vita yes <laughs> Yes, the poor Vita. Yeah, I love my Vita. Oh, dear. Which actually brings me on to another point. So I'm going away soon. Mm-hmm. And often I will, at least in the past year or so, and I've been to Japan like three or four times in the past year, I usually make a choice between... Okay, and first of all, I always bring my Game Boy Advance 
101 SP. Mm-hmm. That's like the the really nice backlit Game Boy SP clamshell one mm-hmm. because it plays all the Game Boy games. Yeah, yeah. I love that thing. Um, and then I choose either the Vita to bring with me or the uh, Nintendo Switch. Right. And I can only choose one because I have limited space. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of odd because you'd think that the Switch is just, yep, that's what you want to do. Right. You'd assume that. You'd assume that. And the last time I did that, I did take my Switch. And I don't play either of these devices like a whole lot while I'm there. I play them some here and there and, you know, uh, kind of idly sometimes. Uh, the fact that I need my glasses on to play both of these things kind of shits me a bit, but mm. you that's the way it goes. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, the, what I found out though is when I took my Switch last time mm. I did not like playing Mario Kart either like just by itself or you know you can detach the um, the Joy-Cons mm-hmm. give them to Maria Maria and I were trying to huddle around like a very small screen for two people like this ad trying like to the play ad. yeah <laughs> it doesn't work <laughs> like the only game yeah. that would probably work with that and I hate to say it is probably 1-2 Switch yeah right and I mm. haven't played that game since we reviewed it like milk the cow on the plane you'll yeah. probably get like ejected from that <laughs> probably would the air marshal would shoot you or something and I've got a bunch of great games on Vita you know I've got Muramasa I've got Dragon's Crown I've yeah. got you know some digital downloads and so like I kind of am actually veering towards the, the Vita, Vita. yeah hmm. But the only thing that's starting to swing me is that maybe I could take the Switch and get Undertale, which has been recommended to me a lot. Right, okay. Um, which I haven't played yet, or haven't even bought yet. And there's an SNK collection that's come out for the Switch. Ah. And it's got like 10 or 15 games of, of classic uh, SNK ports, which are all pre-Neo Geo. Right, okay. Which are interesting. They also have the console versions there as well. It's like the, the original Ikari Warriors mm-hmm. in the arcade is pretty cool. You've got the dodgy NES version, which I actually have somewhere, I think, which is really dodgy. It's not a good game. It's really not. That's the one we have to literally have to cheat to get anywhere past the first level. A lot of people have a lot of fond memories of that game because it was something they grew up with. Yeah. But yeah. we don't have that nostalgia. No, we don't. And so we've it's... played it. We've played it on my Famicom. We, yeah. see, it, we see it without Socks. the rest of the glasses. Yeah. <laughs> not a good game. No. So, look, I would have to spend like 80 bucks to get both of those things, I'm guessing. Mm. But it... Mm spending those that money with those games might be worth it but on the other hand eh, the Vita's just kind of there and it's a bit easier for me so I mean look you could get through Muramasa that would be a big a big achievement here's the thing that is the one game I have been playing lately okay I'm probably a third or half of the way through now cool. um, and enjoying it every time I play that game I enjoy it and I get to a point where I just go, that's enough for one night, and I stop, and then I don't play it for a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Which is one of those things. And th- I was playing it the other day, beat another boss, got mm. to the next town, gorgeous game, like new enemies. I'm upgrading. I'm actually actively trying to upgrade my swords and blades and everything like that. Mm. Having, having a lot of fun. But yeah, it's like after I stop playing, the next night it's like, oh, I feel kind of tired. 
And the other thing is that I haven't been playing it on my Vita. I've been playing it on my PS TV oh, on a okay. big screen. Right. So I don't have the save on a memory card <laughs> to put in my Vita. <laughs> so I can't actually play that version of the save on my Vita. Oh, dear. Which is stupid. Mm. But I do like playing it on a big screen. I really, really do. Yeah, okay. So, other than that, I've been antique shopping because apparently I'm middle-aged now. <laughs> it's the most middle-class thing you could do. Like, it the really most middle-aged is. thing you could do as well. We yeah. found the most gorgeous cocktail cabinet. And I'm not talking arcade. I'm talking a literal cabinet with cocktails. <laughs> with you, you have to be careful. You do have, you have to be to careful specify. with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mm. In a... Um, in a Bungendor, yes, there is such a place name in Australia. Bungendor uh, antique store for like a thousand bucks, and we went. We love this, but I ain't spending a thousand bucks on this. No. And then we found this, uh, and so we were on the lookout for this one of these again for like cheaper. Someone had one that was slightly bigger than that, which is like what they call the cocktail cabinet plus buffet. Right. For 200 bucks, and I leapt on it. Mm. And the person didn't answer back for like a day and said, Oh, uh, yeah, I'll send you photos. Nothing for like a week. Oh, sorry, I'm in like Sydney at the moment. Oh, now I'm in Melbourne. Okay. It's like nothing. And I went, Oh, this is like done. Not happening. Yeah. And yeah. then they said, Oh, did you still want those photos? Like last weekend, and I went, Fucking yeah. And they gave me some photos, and I went, Yep, I'll take it. It was this whole thing that lasted all of Saturday to go to this person, wait mm-hmm. for them to come outside. Everything's very slow with these people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they only wanted 200 bucks for it. And this is a mid-60s Chiswell cocktail cabinet. So if you've ever seen like a really nice buffet mm. made out of this kind of teak wood that yeah. your parents or grandparents owned that they still own today, it's probably Chiswell because it's a really good common popular good quality brand from the 50s 60s yeah yeah possibly early 70s and so this is like 50 55 years old i want to say it's probably from the mid 60s and it took a day to find this person say i wanted it Hmm. find someone who can transport it yeah like this kind of because i'm going to say that that looks like it weighs a fair bit it's Heavy, but not as heavy as you might think. Okay. But the guy, like, you pay 60 bucks for a guy with, a, like, a van to come out. And he basically just threw it in the back. Oh, God. <laughs> I am, uh, man. I always hate And it's like, this isn't, like, I, I don't want to disparage this guy because it's yeah, like, a, this is, it's but job. this is, all, yeah, you know, but this is, a, like, a very old kind of thing. I don't want to treat it too badly. But mm-hmm. despite it's, like, um, not not improperly handled but slightly rough treatment it got here in one piece it was everything was fine mm-hmm. these things were made to last he had a massive scratch mm. down the front but I actually had like a whole bunch of like pens of like furniture pens that um, can match the colour of furniture with scratches in them yeah, yeah. and I actually you know squiggled it on there and you can barely tell that there's a scratch there so I've kind of more or less restored this gave it a clean inside and out yeah got this nice cocktail cabinet and I'm just looking at it thinking I really am becoming my parent and I hate myself <laughs> look yeah it's it's a weird thing look I've been watching the Ken Burns Civil War documentary recently which is something my dad was obsessed with when yeah. I was a kid and it's this really weird full circle thing where I'm doing the thing that my dad did that used to drive me up the wall 
for watching this boring documentary then now i'm like oh i really appreciate this now and i am i am literally becoming my father yeah it's, it's a weird thing it is it is you know you're interested in antiques and you go out and you look at all these things and you go, oh well, that's nice i could put that on a uh, shelf somewhere at home Oh, that's a nice pair of World War One binoculars. I actually do own a pair of World War One binoculars, brass. Yes, even like a field marshal insignia on them. As long as they're not German, it's probably not weird. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Anyway, that's where my life is like at the moment. Um, I, I definitely want to play some more Muramasa. Every time I play it, I, d- I need to keep the fire burning because sure. it's such a good, gorgeous game. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's the aesthetic that keeps bringing me back and we'll, and you and I will review this game I'm taking my sweet bloody time but I am enjoying the game but yeah. you and I will get to it at some point but you actually despite your meekness and sickness have written me a quiz do you want to jump straight into it let's do it AC let's do, the, let's do this quiz it's only eight questions this week because okay. I ran out of good questions you know um, I would prefer quality over quantity eight brilliant questions I'm setting myself up for failure here. You really are. Um, eight decent, halfway decent questions. Okay. What's the theme? Uh, on Taito. Okay. I, I've already <clears> stated <throat> this is my favorite, so if I fail this quiz, I'm going to look pretty bad. That's right. So this is t- eight questions about the video game um, production company. Yeah. I mean, they, they produce video games, they're developers, mm. uh, and they're also publishers as well. Publish, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. So uh, they do all three of those things, uh, but they have been bought out by Square Enix. Sorry, 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 sorry. Okay. All right. I'm getting ahead of me. Getting ahead of me. Okay. You may have a point already. Question number one, AC. Square Enix. Well, that's not the question, the number one, but. Okay. Anyway, look, I'll hold you in suspense. Okay. Question number one. In which decade was Taito founded? In which decade? I'm going to give you a clue. It was the 20th century. But which decade of the 20th century? Was it 1950s? Correct. Correct. 1954. Okay, I thought so. Yes. Question number two. Mm -hmm. What was the nationality of the founder of Taito? Maybe a trick question. Maybe not. This is tricky because my my knowledge of Sega gets in the way that in that period of time because Sega was originally a Hawaiian company then bought out by the Japanese, but I'm just going to say Japanese. It was in fact uh, to the nationality of the founder of Taito was uh, Ukrainian Jewish. Okay, oh, yeah, I don't think I would have yeah. guessed that one. I'm going to uh, be completely honest with you, Robbie. I just thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah. So yeah. Michael Kogan is his name. That's cool. Is he still around? Probably uh, not. I don't think so. If it was 1954, probably not. But no, I don't, I don't think... I, don't, I haven't looked in... I'm sorry. I didn't research Michael Kogan extensively. Uh, question number three. What did Taito sell originally? Because obviously in 1950s, there weren't no space invaders. <laughs> or were there? Oh, only the, you know, the real kind. Um, what did they sell originally? Um, and you can just look. There's a few things, but if you get one of them, I'll give it to you. Oh, amusement machines, pinballs. Can you be a bit more specific? Oh, penny arcades, those stupid um, skill tester things. No, no. Close. Jukeboxes. Okay. Vending machines. All right. Close, right? I'm close there. And vodka. (laughs) For some reason. I fucking love Taito. (laughs) Why don't they do that? Why don't they release Space Invader fucking vodka? Oh, man. I would buy that I would drink that even if it was like the cheapest <laughs> dude you and I could probably license Taito at this point we'd do it ourselves <laughs> which is a few bucks 
flick him a few pennies. <laughs> um, question four. Mm-hmm. What was the first arcade game that Taito published? The first one. Not Space Invaders. What was the first one? Shit. <laughs> don't know. It was. Uh, was it a Pong clone? I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think so. Either. The title of this game suggests it isn't. Okay, what is it? Astro Race. You see, I wouldn't yeah. have got that, no matter how many times I guess. Uh, what game? What year did that game come out? That's question Astro five. Astro Race. Well, I'm guessing ooh, 76. 73. 73. Wow. Quite okay. Early. Quite early. If that's not a Pong clone, it must be like a Space Wars clone. I don't know. Yeah, Astro Race. I'm curious now. Uh, I didn't look into it too deeply though, so unfortunately. That's that's question four and five. So um, you are definitely in the lead here. I yeah. I love Taito, but I don't know anything about it. Apparently, uh, question number six. Space Invaders came out in what year? Seventy-seven or seventy-eight? <laughs> Shit, or is it seventy-nine? One of the things you oh, said is true. God, yeah. Well, okay, thank you. Seventy-eight. Yes, correct. Seventy-eight. Well done. I should really just know that off the top of my head. This is a fun one. I wonder whether you know this. I, okay. I'm kind of asking this because I wonder whether you know this. Okay. What was the name of the CD-ROM console the Taito announced in 1992 that was ultimately never released? I don't know this. Okay. It, this may literally be something that I have come across in some of my research and then just simply forgotten, forgotten about. Yeah. Um, it's a funny thing. You see, I would know what I would call it. Mm. And, I've, and I've had this idea for a while. I want to go on Twitch and I want to do all of the Taito games because I have like a whole bunch of Taito things. And I want to call it Titonium. No, that's a good name. That's a good name. But I'm guessing that's not what this is no, called. that's a much better name than this. Uh, is this it- is going to be called the Wow Wow. The Wow Wow. Hang and on. if you're wondering, W-O-W-O-W. No, 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 no. So... Which is named after a TV station. Yeah, that is a satellite network in Japan. That's right. I know, what the, name, I know what Wow Wow is. They were going to name the console after Wow Wow. There's going to be some sort of tie-in with Wow Wow. Okay, this this is making a hell of a lot more sense. So Wow Wow is um, a satellite and not cable in the mm-hmm. way that you think, but literally because Japanese people love satellites and the oh, Satellaview of Nintendo. You can't get enough of them. Yeah. Um, was was proof of that as well. Mm-hmm. And Wow Wow was still going on when I first got to Japan and probably still is now, but much less relevant mm. as most television is. But yeah, Wow Wow is an extremely... Like it was the premium like satellite TV channel network mm. that most people would get. And they had like Wow Wow Children's and Wow Wow like, biz- like business and, and stuff like that. So. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to get into the games business with Taito. Yeah, I kind of wish I would could see because like even by 1992, Taito had like a pretty eclectic back catalogue. Yeah, well, that didn't happen, unfortunately. No. For, to to the, the poverty of all of us, unfortunately, we didn't get to see what the Wow Wow had to offer. But if you think that the Ouya is a dumb name for a video game console, just remember the Wow Wow. Um, uh, I mean, in Japanese, it's still kind of Japanese dumb. people, no, less still, dumb. No. I mean, it's just the kind word Kind of wow yes, twice. kind of no, yeah. <laughs> Look, no. like, because it's not Japanese, kind of. Wow Wow. Wow Wow. The Wii, the Ouya... Yeah, they like their vowels over there. Good times. Uh, question number eight, AC. Last question. Mm-hmm. Very tricky question. Okay. Racket your brains. SNK. What company now no, owns Squares. <laughs> SNK. 
What company now owns Taito? Square Enix. Correct. They bought many a share. And then some stuff happened and basically now they're owned by Square Enix. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because Square basically leaves them alone. Yeah. Uh, from from what uh, limited knowledge I know of their current setup is that they are in a building attached to Square Enix. <laughs> They don't bother them or like order them to do anything. They just kind of exist and do their own fucking thing. And apparently that works for them. They make a profit. So, you know, bugger. Nobody really cares what they do. I guess so. Well, look, I'm glad that they're still a thing. So um, you won that one five to eight. Yeah, they, I, 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 I did. Five to three. So well, five, five to three. Yeah, five to eight. Five to three. So um, there you go. The Taito quiz. We all learned a lot about Ukrainian Jewish founders of Taito and the vodka and Astro Race. I yeah. I just thought that was really interesting because I thought of Taito as this classic Japanese sort of software house, but to find out that actually they started off slanging jukeboxes and vodka, and there was just like Ukrainian dude. <laughs> it's just it's a very different sort of what, what you'd think. Um, it is like, and Sega is in a similar way because Sega did do like vending machines and jukeboxes and like the same way. Nintendo's and been around machines. for a long time too. Oh yeah, they were doing Hanafude cards back in like the 18, uh, 1800s. Yeah, it's so. funny how long in the tooth some of these companies are actually. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. But these companies, apart well, not Taito, but certainly. Nintendo was right through the wars, you know? It's crazy to think about. Um, if, if you know the, the history of what we would call modern Nintendo, it's mm. pretty funny because, like, basically, um, uh, the, the founder... Not the founder, but the, the father of modern Nintendo, mm. um, Yamauchi, basically came in... And because he was the nephew of one of the founders and he didn't talk to his father and there was a whole bunch of family politics that was going on. He came in into the company quite young. A lot of the workers there didn't respect him because he was quite young. Fucking fired a lot of them. <laughs> and then like constant started to concentrate on like making more different cards. And then he saw this bloke hmm. uh, basically making a... a a toy which kind of reaches out and grabs something like a claw yeah yeah sort of thing and that was uh, the guy who made the Game Boy right and then they started making toys and they moved into video game development and electronic toys and stuff like that so the rest is history yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's just interesting the way that um, by the 2000s when Yamauchi finally stepped down he was like one of the richest men in Japan mm. but he also had a very feudalistic way of controlling Nintendo which was very much passe by the time by the 90s actually yeah uh, when the bubble burst but you know that's a whole other story it's quite fascinating to read into but yeah these Japanese companies they're, they have a lot more history than you'd think yeah there's a real depth to that there really is yeah. and it's, it's, it's interesting and as I said Sega didn't even start off as a Japanese company it was a, it was mm. a, a company that was founded in Hawaii to service uh, the US Army wow. originally and then it was bought out by Japanese a Japanese company uh, and Sega stands for Service Games, S-E-G-A, right. Service Games. Okay. And uh, they bought them out and then they did the same thing for a while and they've eventually developed into arcades and then into its own first-party publisher for its own consoles. So There you go. Yeah, there you mm. go, a bit of history for you. We are here to educate, if nothing else. Yeah, well, felt like talking. So uh, what's going on on the Gunner Geek Network? Hey? Well... I can tell you that in just a minute, AC. <laughs> Cut you off your guard again. Well, you do it deliberately, Tim, because you don't give me any chance. To, I, don't, um, I don't. Well, I was actually, I was pointing 
gesturing. You were trying. I was I was spelling out gunner geek in 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 sign. Why don't I have this? bookmarked anymore <laughs> look the Gunny Network's really good <laughs> they're alright is that wait is that it no <laughs> I don't have it bookmarked I'm That's sorry right. um, look maybe we'll have to, oh here we go no I found it <laughs> God, this is, we're Thank, a real Mickey Mouse operation thankfully my my search history has served me well we, um, I really desperately need a holiday and so does, so does look, our, I'll our probably, good friend Rob I'll probably edit this a bit thanks for asking me about the Gunny Geek Network AC <laughs> Because I have right here, ready to go, a wonderful promotional read uh-huh. that I'm going to read out now. You watch, what, what, what are you going to give me, big boy? Um, for the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, mm-hmm. episode 337, shots fired in the chat room. Oh, it sounds contentious, AC. Americans. Sounds like, yes, they do love their firearms, don't they? Don't bring a gun into the chat room, <laughs> you idiots. That chat room was on fire for this week's episode as Willie geeks out over the Lion King trailer. Anthony has details on how the director of Shazam responds to death threats, and Chris joins the rest of the internet in complaining about Fallout 76, but with a different twist. That's episode 337 of the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, which you can find on the Gunner Geek Network, which is literally your home for geeky podcasts. Yeah. No, I can't argue with that. It's you live there and do listen to a podcast. You can have a bath there if you Because it's your home. A virtual bath. <laughs> or a real bath, if, if that takes your fancy. I'm sure uh, Stargate Pioneer will hop in there right with you. <laughs> if you don't mind. If you don't mind his awkward company. <laughs> it's funny because he's a stand-up bloke. Yes. I just like making fun of him because... Well, oh, we're jerks. <laughs> yeah, basically, yes. Yeah, we're not good people. Um, we're spe- kind of the black sheep of the Gunner Geek Network. Speaking of black sheep of the Gunner Geek Network, AC, our good friends Cody Goff and Jonathan Uncle Stabo Martin yep. are somewhat returned to form. Yep. I haven't seen the podcast pop up on my app yet. I, ha- I have listened to them. I've watched them. They're back. They're doing stuff. They're back on YouTube. Yeah. But not on my podcast app. Yeah, look, uh, give. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, please go. Cody sucks, but Mister um, Mister Stabo. He didn't. He didn't spend that long at Uncle School to be called Mister. He's Uncle Stabo. That's right. <laughs> he got his PhD in stabbery <laughs> and so Uncle what? Uncle Rism as well. Uncle Rism. <laughs> anyway. You, you, they're back on YouTube. Look them up. I actually really, really enjoyed that episode, but I'm biased because I don't know. I probably have a secret thing for Cody or something like that, and that anime hair. You love him. And his yes, boy. and his anime hair. He, so he's much. a beautiful boy. That's that's definitely true. But is he <laughs> really not really? Yeah, you're right. I was being facetious. He's he's really not. He kind of looks like a, a little like, bit. He kind of looks like a Ken doll who's like had his head stretched up or something. <laughs> That's that's, just, that's deeply unkind. No. Uh, that was just like the first thing that came into my mind. I don't actually think he looks like that. That was literally just I was just looking at no, just a blank like, piece of paper and thought he, he looks like he, he looks, looks like a nice American boy who's gone Super Saiyan. Thank you for listening to episode seventy three of Game Life Balance Australia, the Australian edition of the Game Life Balance podcast. You can find us on the web at www.gamelifebalanceaustralia.com. Podcast. Where you'll find links to our podcast feed. Podcast. And links to our sister show in the US, who are lovely and not at all anime characters or murderers. <laughs> 
That's the funniest thing you said all episode. Look, I'm, they're not. I, I just denied it, so it's true. Um, yeah, just like you're, you are the man, the inventor of not taking drugs. That's right. As, as is proved by this very episode. Um, if you like us, then God help you if you do. Well, that's good news for you because Andrew's on Twitter at prod tally yeah that's me <laughs> and, i don't remember that's me and uh and we've given up asking for like kind reviews on you on like itunes and i will do that in a minute i'll beg but uh you can also follow us uh our official uh twitter feed at, at glb australia and yes if you do like the show um and you want to help us out well um you can give us a review on itunes or your podcast service of choice um, give us some stars on your iPhone. It's very easy to do if you have an iPhone. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I'll just uh, finish off by saying this might very well be the last piece of regular program we do for a while. There'll be a Christmas episode and hopefully we can get one episode, maybe even two, depending on what goes on. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be away for like five weeks. I'm going to be honest with you folks. Mm. You might need some distraction. Yeah. I, depends if I get snowed in and whatnot. Yeah. It's, uh, I kind of want to do, like, I want to show people around what the farm is like there. And What's the internet like in Guma? Do you get, like, a good speed? You know what? Speed? I'll get... tell you what. It's, it's fucking better than your house. <laughs> it's like, it's, if, if you have a wired connection, it's pretty good. Because mm. back in the late 90s, early 2000s, they just wired up, like, fucking all of Japan mm. with, like, broadband. Oh, it seems like a smart idea. I don't yeah. know why other countries aren't doing that. Yeah, I don't know why either. And most of it's just fucking unlimited. When I was living in, in Saitama, like, I got the best internet ever. Mm. The only place in the world that's better hooked up than Japan, I think, is Korea. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, putting us to shame. Anyway, um, that'll be fun. Yep, indeed. So, look out for that and we'll uh, follow my Twitter and I'll let you know what I'm up to. Bye. Bye. That's creepy, dude.